JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 51 of the Insure Tech Geek Podcast, talking about carrier subsidized technology with Josh Kanner from SmartVid. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Here we are. Another week in the books. It's almost March. We're, 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 we're towards the tail end of the first quarter of 21. Last time I checked, it was the beginning of 2020. I don't know what happened in the last 12 months, but I don't remember any of it. You know, I think one of the reasons I tend to be so positive and like just kind of enjoy every day is I have a terrible memory. And so I just don't remember a lot of things really well, historically speaking. I remember like weird, obscure details, but... Josh, I mean, have you noticed that, like, I think people with happier dispositions just have fuzzier memories about things. We tend to gloss over them a little bit, maybe. You sound like my wife, James. That's really <laughs> true. She she thinks of herself as my outsourced memory, and uh, it it's, it's very useful in that respect. She she's always there to remind me, but I I try and stay happy too, man. Um, to, to try and stay happy. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah we yeah we had a, I guess we had a pandemic for the last year. I guess it started a year ago. I mean, a year ago, I was in New Orleans in Mardi Gras, and I had a ball. Literally, I was at the Muse Ball, and I got to listen to the B-52s. It was the last in-person concert I got to go to. No, it was not the last. The very last in-person concert I went to was at Con Expo, which was almost exactly a year. I, I called it Corona Fest 2020. Because it was like yeah, a bunch, right. it was 150,000 yeah. construction pros all there hanging was out a together. Question about whether or not that should happen, and then some companies they didn't actually they didn't send people to it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, they just they were like, tense. no, we're not going to go, and and so they didn't send anybody. And uh, there was transmission there. Like I knew people from Autodesk that got sick, and I mean it was it was a it was a it was kind of a funny deal. But they, they the, hilariously they ended it one day early. Because, like, as if that would have any impact on anything at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it didn't, you know? But they, they only have Connex for once every three years. So I understand their thinking. Looking back on it, my gosh, like, hindsight's so 2020. We never should have shut anything down. We just should have started wearing masks all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, like, and like, you like, you, like, look back at it, and it's just wild. Because the one thing that is actually proven to be useful, they were telling us not to do. In the beginning, right. which is right. to put a mask right. on. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny, James. I, I saw the coronavirus outbreak through the eyes also of my sister-in-law, who is native Chinese. Like, she came from mainland China, went to grad school here, married my brother-in-law. And she was in disbelief that no one wore masks at the beginning of the coronavirus. Yeah, she couldn't believe it. And by the way, they China went through with SARS. She reminded yeah. us China went into lockdown. She, her high school in high school, she was at home watching school lessons on TV. Yeah, they did. They basically turned Chinese TV into a way to teach the kids 
back when SARS happened. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so she was like, you guys are idiots. You got to wear masks. That's it. Got mine, got mine right here, man. I'm a, I'm a pro mask guy, you know, put it on. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird deal. I mean, you know, it, it's at the point now, a year ago, everybody was saying, oh, there's only a few cases. Like, I don't know anybody that's gotten it. And now we all know everyone who's gotten it. We know a ton of people who's gotten it. We all have friends who died from this. I mean, this is serious stuff, but it's like a, it's such a weird, it's been such a weird year, man. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a crapshoot. Yeah. It's such a crapshoot. But you know what I am excited about is that you and I get to hang out on a different show. That's what I'm mm. excited about, Josh Canner. For sure, man. Yeah, we got to connect up also on this New Orleans thing. Oh, yes. I will be in New Orleans. I, go to, I still go to New Orleans every month. I, I just wear a mask everywhere, right? And, and with me, my brother from another mother, Mr. Rob Galbraith. He's over there in San Antonio, Texas. He and I endured snowpocalypse. What would they call it? Snowvid? Snowvid 2021? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, dude. That was some snow and ice, and Texans are not prepared for it. You're a Michigander, so you like at least knew how to drive. It was, yeah, it, it was uh, glad glad that you are are, are safe and and your loved ones and yeah, our producer Jim Greenlee and everyone over in in College Station. But yeah, I think it was just surreal. I, I've lived in San Antonio over 20 years, and it was just an ordinary snowstorm, but we're not equipped at all <laughs> in Texas. So like, I, I think we have a new appreciation for our Northern neighbors, you know, instead of rubbing it in every week. Uh, every time I talk to somebody up North, I, during the winter, I just, you know, try to make conversation, but rub it in, I guess, and say, Oh, how's the weather? <laughs> and they're like, shut up. We don't care. And then, you know, they, they got their, their karma last week. Oh. Uh, so we were without power for three days and they got karma and in spades, notice and all that. Yeah. Yeah. We got yeah. it back. So, but anyway, like you said, it was back to 70s. I think it hit 80 here this week. So yeah, man, um, crazy. It's I mean, I, I went and shot around a golf on Wednesday, it was 72 and sunny, and I was like, did that actually happen? Again, my memory is like, did I did I remember that correctly? Did we just... Anyway, it's it's a wild deal. We are going to geek out on InsureTech today. We're going to talk about how risk and tech and carriers, carriers are starting to really get with the program, <laughs> pun intended, on this, and and understand that if they actually help pay for some cost of technology in some regards, they can actually reduce their, their total claims cost, right, and drive their margins up, which is always good for a carrier. Healthy markets is healthy for the economy. And so we're going to talk about that. Josh and I, for, for the uninitiated out there, have known each other for a long time. And in the construct tech space, he's been a guest on my other podcast, The Content Crew. Today, I did have a guest from the Ryan companies on The Content Crew up in Minnesota, eh? And he, we, we were having a good, a good laugh, don't you know? About the uh, about the weather, but uh, before we get started with my with my friend Josh here, we're gonna just to remind you you can you can subscribe to our podcast by texting Geek Out to six six eight six six. Just text Geek Out to six six eight six six, and uh, you can subscribe there. Make sure you never miss an episode. We email you the show notes and links to the news and like who was on, and then. You can catch the video or the audio. It's been really cool. And I just want to thank everybody out there for becoming faithful listeners. You know, it's, it's been pretty much a year of episodes, right? So this is episode 51. So we're kind of at like a, a full episode year since we do like one a week. And we've built up a pretty good little little group of folks that hang out with us every week and uh, listen to us talking about InsureTech. And we're, we're glad to have you on. Back to my esteemed guest, founder and CEO of SmartVid. And I, I say it that way because uh, yours truly and my InsureTech friends don't know this, but I found that a product called Smart B 
bid that I uh, started in 2006, sold it in 2018. Josh, and I'm just going to give a little bit of your background since I happen to have, I know, no, just a couple couple of points on your on your resume, built this really, really cool system from 2005 to 2012. So kind of like similar time frame as I was running SmartBid, he built Vela Systems, which became the foundation for this really awesome program by Autodesk called BIM 360 Field. And and it's still alive. It's alive. It's still alive. <laughs> like an incarnation of this is now, now, now Autodesk, and God bless them, they paid a billion dollars a day for a water management program, or yesterday, I guess, they released that paid a billion dollars for a water management pl platform. I mean, I think they've rebranded your product three or four times now, Josh. Yes, it was originally Vela Systems. You know, we were, it's a construction field management platform for quality safety commissioning and bringing 2D and 3D documents to the field. Yeah. That saved a ton of time and digitized a bunch of processes that were then, you know, back in 2005, that was before the iPhone was around, you know? Yeah, like, you're using you gotta, Windows Mobile. <laughs> yeah, speaking, speaking of short memories, like, you know, my kids don't remember when there was a time we didn't have internet, you know, like they, we actually, but that's actually an interesting game. If you guys ever want to play with that with your kids is like what existed when your parents were young Yeah. and uh, we started that off. And one of Nothing. my kids said like, you had no phones, you had no internet. And my other son said, did you have forks? <laughs> <laughs> he jumped right there. But anyway, back to your thread, James. Yeah, it was, we automated a bunch of field processes and then it became part of BIM 360 we, the Vela Systems name was gone within two weeks from us joining Autodesk. They, they got the like BIM 360 field, and now, now they've done it. You know, they keep wrapping it up into Autodesk Construction Cloud, and then they, then they form this new concept called Build, and then they have, Build. And they have, then they, yeah, it's like, what, what, how, many, how many logos and brands do you need? But they, but they keep rolling through this. In the meantime, in the last nine years, you spent the year there, so I guess the last eight years, you co-founded some really cool stuff, but in 2014... You founded and started SmartVid, that's V-I-D, mm -hmm. I-O, Smart Video, which was doing some really, really cool machine learning on top of videos, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started with the concept of going back to our original customers at Vela Systems. These were both CIO level folks, but also just a bunch, a bunch of field superintendents, folks, folks out on the job site, and started talking about what's, you know, what's going on. It's now 20, 2014, 2015, and it went from, hey, we need tools to be able to automate work in the field to we need help managing all the data we're gathering in the field. And that's where SmartVid got started because videos and photos and all that visual data was really tricky stuff to manage. It still is. And uh, over, you know, over the last five years now, because we really started the company in 2015, over the last five years now, we've, we've gone from how do you manage the data to, and well, the whole purpose behind me being on this podcast is what kind of critical insights can you get from that data? So not just making sure you don't lose it when there's a claim, but what can visual data and what can other project data tell you as like a signal, a signal of what's going on on your job in a way that can be indicative of safety risk or of other risks on the project. And huge milestone for us this year, which we'll get into is that insurance carriers have seen that signal, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, and they're, they're, they're subsidizing the cost of our software on construction projects. So it's been, been a really big milestone. I'm super excited to be on this podcast to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And, and it's the use of unstructured data is like the last frontier, right? To quote Jean-Luc Picard, 
second start of the right and on till morning, right? Like this is it's engaged number one. I mean that this this is this is really where we have to go because most data, just like period, that's like world data, right? Like mm-hmm. data in the whole world. Most data is unstructured. It's not sitting in a in a beautiful normalized relational database <laughs> for all the fields are interlinked and we have primary key and subsidiary secondary key and we have constraints and all the data is perfect. No, that's not that's just not the way the world works, right? Yeah. We've got uh what exabytes of photos and exabytes. That's it. for those of you who don't know what that is, just go Google it and you can read the numbers. A lot of zeros afterwards. There's exabytes of photos and videos and free text. Right. Like if I had to think of like unstructured data, mm-hmm. pictures, videos, free text, and audio and audio files. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think when I first small saw, saw SmartVid, I was like, holy crap, he's actually doing something with all this. Because you applied machine learning to all these pictures and started recognizing objects and then automatically tagging them because people don't like to actually tag photos they upload. In fact, most companies, and let's just not talk about construction. Let's keep this specific. Like, let's keep it general here. Most companies don't like to categorize all their photos and videos because it takes too much time, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's one of the least understood or appreciated features actually in the iOS and Android operating system on your phone, oh. is that it's automatically looking at each photo that's uploaded and creating a whole tag. Think of it as a tag list. You just can't see it. They don't give you access to it. But if you search on your mobile phone, you go into the Photos app, and if you search on a uh, a word that's something that you would expect to see in a photo, like dog or cat or beer, like I do to find cans of beer that I may have you know taken a picture of because it was good, a Google or Apple is going to find that photo for you, even though that you never tagged it with the word beer. And that's that's uh, you know that's the beginning of of where SmartVid got started. Yeah, I mean, I I use this all the time on my phone just to identify all the different things that I, you know, golf, airplanes, cars, whatever it is. Yep. You know, it's it's really quite amazing. Like, I just did beer. I didn't even think about searching for a beer tag. I don't take enough pictures of beer, Josh. There you go. There you go. Well, you know what's, come up what's to cool, Boston, though, James. is they actually got this a lot picked of good up, beer. <laughs> this actually picked up a beer flight that I did. That's pretty sweet. And, must recognize the foam. Maybe it's the like foam. maybe it's the foam because because that could easily be a shot round, but it's not. Yeah, it's a beer flight. So I mean, there's just amazing stuff going on with photos and videos and text. And then you started ripping the frames out of video and recognizing objects in the individual frames. And then you started ripping all the audio track off of video and then converting it to text, and then making it searchable so you could like jump to that frame in the video where someone said a word like hazard error warning issue, right? Yep. Yeah. That's where we started. Actually, we started with trying you started to, with that. Yeah. We try. Yeah. Cause we try We wanted to transform cause my roots are in the field, right? With the Vela system stuff, it was always about how can you streamline field process first, take time out of people's day. And uh, the whole process of taking pictures, documenting them and locating them is, uh, is really time consuming. So we let you, t- we started with the process of, well, instead of having to actually tag stuff verbally, excuse me, on a plan, you could just say where you are and it would automatically um, tag it back. Now that stuff has evolved a lot in the last five years. You can now use like the internal, like the gyros and 
internal stuff on the phone to help put you on the plan and things like that. So what we evolved to, though, is that uh, because there was uh, still a ton of photos where people weren't going to be talking on top of their phone is that our customers said, listen, we got all this other photo data. We got all this other image capture data. Help help us find it and then help us extract signals of risk. And that's where we started building out all these models that are tuned to the needs of in, in our industry in construction. Now we're up to over 100 of them looking for specific indicators of risk. And because it's like anything with artificial intelligence, the more focused you can get, the better your models can be as long as you have the data. So we've really focused on safety and other areas of construction. We do we do phases of construction as well. So you can be doing automatic, some automatic phase detection, which ties into risk. And that's been a, been a huge focus of ours. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you let's, let's bring it back to insurance. You, you did one of the coolest reports, and that's kind of nerdy to say. This is the coolest report I've ever seen called the Glove Report. Your system automatically identified workers on, a, on any job site that were not wearing protective equipment. So you trained it to identify if a worker didn't have a reflective vest, gloves, or hard hat, or safety goggles. And then during COVID... You trained your system to identify if workers were wearing their masks or not, and you started publishing a nationwide region-by-region region mask compliance report, which I'm sure somebody here who works in innovation at a work comp carrier would find interesting to be able to automatically track compliance rates with protective equipment for your workers. Exactly right. Yeah, social distancing too. And then you can do mix combos like not wearing a mask and not social distancing. That's clearly higher risk, and then that can trigger alerts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, called yeah. quarantine alerts. Yeah, I it mean, was pretty interesting, man. Also, like the those, so by region, we saw the trends actually converge. So at the beginning of the pandemic, it was kind of like, you know, if you read the newspaper, you would have predicted this. It was, you know, the Southwest and Southeast were lagging in terms of their mass compliance and social distancing compliance. But about nine months in, the whole country was above 90%. And, you know, everybody just converged and kind of got got religion on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rob, I've given you plenty of fodder there. Yeah, no. I, so, uh, Josh, you know, you guys have a great website, by the way, smartbid.io, as J James mentioned. And we've got a, a really good video that kind of outlines the sweetest solutions that you have. One of the things I noticed in watching the videos is it says that construction worker injury rates have not improved since 2007 and project productivity has also remained flat despite the increasing adoption of technology on job sites. So just kind of curious to, to have you expand on those thoughts because you've spent so much time in this space. And you know, what do you think, I guess, is the, the, the art of the possible? Are you starting to see SmartVid and, and other capabilities kind of help it, it it feels like we're really on the cusp of something big here yeah the statistics like that are are really what motivates a lot of our customers there's there's another one that's not on our website actually that um the vice president of safety at one of our customers at shawmet design and construction used and, and and told me about that motivates him which is that actually it's not just injury rate it's that the fatality rate in construction is is basically unchanged in 10 years there's a graph that you can see around that and the that so something has to change, something something has to give. So if you think about safety, if you think about any kind of risk, there's or, or any kind of outcome that you want to try and affect, there's a concept of how much how much how much observations, how much data 
can you get to help try and understand the behavior and provide and and provide feedback on it so in the case of safety you're you're limited by how much how traditionally you've been limited by how many safety folks you can have out there and safety as a whole has been seen as kind of a it can be a, more of like an audit kind of orientation or checklist orientation. And what we're trying to do at SmartVid, it's not, it's not just technology. It's actually a whole approach to thinking about safety. It's getting more observations, more opportunities for engagement, more conversations about it, and doing that through the use of artificial intelligence. So you can think of the the visual part of it as getting more. Literally, it's it's like having an automated safety inspector who never sleeps and can be looking not just for things that are wrong, but also for things that are right. And using that to be able to create a much tighter feedback loop with the team in the field and encourage opportunities for folks to have conversations about safety, have more engagement, and ultimately reduce incident rates because because it's there's better visibility about what's happening, both what's not going right, but also what's going right. It helps. There's more to talk about. And if I were to like if there's a safety professional on the phone, I, I would hope that resonates with them. We just did a webinar with Lithgo, one of our customers. They call it a culture of conversation, and they reduced their incident rate in, by 20% in the first year of working with us, not just because of us, they would say, but we were a big part of their program. Part of it was that they increased the number of conversations ha- they were having about safety and having about what what's happening in the field. So I, I there's a huge opportunity to have more interactions, more more engagement opportunities, more conversations about safety, and to use that to help drive better behavior and better awareness. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. And you know, to James's point earlier, we're just touching the iceberg, right? In terms of, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, I should say. And you know, exploring the the use of unstructured data. One of the things that I know that you have, in addition to like some of the the AI object identification things like that, but really the predictive analytics. Can you talk a little bit more about how you leverage that? Sure, sure. Predictive analytics is, I'll use your iceberg analogy, it's kind of, it's like the tip of the iceberg, actually, with all the data coming out underneath it. It's really the, it's sort of the, where we've been headed towards since our customers asked us, what data can you find to help us predict, help us understand risk? Because uh, once we started uh, and built all of these visual indicators of risk, you know, James mentioned PPE, we also can detect housekeeping. We can detect standing water. We do a lot in the in work from height, different kinds of how you work, not just objects like ladders, but this is new for us actually in the last quarter or so since last year. We can now also detect behaviors working at height. Are people working at height properly? Are they wearing proper safety harness, safety harnesses or or fall any kind of fall protection? So the the step was okay, now we can see those things. Those are opportunities for engagement, both on the positive as well as in the areas for improvement. But what and how can you use that to actually understand what risk is going to be? In other words, not just look at what things were today or even right now or backwards, but can you use that data to understand by trending? Because now you have more data than you ever had before. You used to be constrained by, you know, who's filling out forms, who's doing field inspections, all this stuff. Now you got all this data. Can you actually use it along with other unstructured data to predict what's going to happen in the future? And I wish I could claim credit for all of this. It was actually our customers who came to us. One in particular, Suffolk Construction, they had hired a chief data officer and she came from outside the construction industry and she said, listen, we love what you're doing, what you're doing. What if we give you 10 years of data 
with all of our incidents in it. And let's combine that with the photo data and combine it with uh, some structured data like observations and unstructured data. And let's see, can we do your, does what you're looking at in the imagery, that signal, does it help add predictive power? Can we predict where we're going to have incidents based on what's being seen and this other unstructured data and structured data? And when we found that we could, this is a couple of years ago, we've been working ever since to systematize it and get it much more streamlined in terms of how we can pull in data, generate the predictive models and uh, generate results. And it's now we really got it down to a science. We have multiple customers doing it. We're generating multiple predictions, not just from photos, but from weather. it's weather data goes in. We take in schedule. We look at like activity stacking. We're looking at manpower ratios of supervisory to trade and craft workers, a whole bunch of different features. Um, hundreds of them actually, that then go into a prediction of which job is going to be the riskiest. That's incredible. And, you know, I've actually been inspired. You guys have probably been reading about, right, the the Reddit trade and the gyrations of GameStop and, and AMC theaters and all that. And so oh, I've yeah. been kind of reading books about, you know, quants and dark pools and, and high frequency traders. And, and, you know, part of what they do, right, is taking in this massive data sets and this data of different types and different variables, you know, some some internal data, some external data, you know, structured, unstructured, you know, putting it all together, right, and coming up with these complex algorithms or algorithms, they call them, right, and and then they try to, uh, you know, trade, right, based on that signal. And so it's it's a similar approach, just obviously focused on worker safety and, and site productivity. Yeah, I also think, Rob, about underwriting models too, right? In the insurance world, like what does it mean to understand risk and to be able to underwrite risk and, you know, write policies and write coverage? And that's the predictive stuff we're doing is taking us a lot closer to the whole insurance ecosystem. So we've been partnering. We started off partnering with brokers like Aon and, and Lockton and others, and then started working with AxaXL last year. And then now more recently with Hartford. And it that's actually behind some of the rationale behind them now paying for our software for their customers is that they are interested in not just the benefits to the customer on a given job site or set of projects, but they're trying to explore, Rob, also what is a future underwriting model potentially that could bring more of a dynamic type approach, kind of like we have in the consumer world with safe driver discounts. If you're sharing the data coming from your dash, you know, like how you drive, how can that be done in the industrial world? Like what's the equivalent of a safe driver discount in construction? What's a safe, like a safe building discount, right? And what are the factors that go into that? That gets, that gets really interesting. Like in a car, if you're a consumer driving a car, I know if I like, well, there's, there's factors, right? Like if I step on the brakes really hard or if I'm cornering too fast or if I speed or whatever, like that's going to move my insurance. That, that makes me riskier, right? What is that in construction? And that's, that's what we're working on and, and trying to figure out. Yeah. There's let's, let's, let's try and close the loop on this tie in with carriers because there's gotta be a defined measurable benefit at this point for them to actually start not only doing like a, some type of premium discount, but just straight up paying for tech, right? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of ways to slice this, but when they start footing this, the direct bill for the tech, something's resonated with the carrier. Tell me the story. Like where, where, where are they, where are they seeing the benefit enough that they're willing to actually carry a license cost for their clients? 
Yeah, it's so the start the story for the Hartford, which, by the way, if a listener is interested in hearing this right from the Hartford, we have a webinar on our website that we just delivered with Brett Bush, who's the head of the Hartford strategy and and IOT group, and where he describes this whole journey that they were on. Where basically what they they look for technologies like you're you're saying, James, that have demo, like a, have a demonstrable benefit. So they've they've rolled out a bunch of different tech that they're now subsidizing for their insured. Um, one of them is water loss prevention tech. So you can put in basically a whole whole bunch of different technologies that actually some of them it's, it's pretty cool. They actually use AI to learn the the flow, like what's the normal flow on that job, and then if they see something that's out of tolerance, then they you know, they'll alert. They've also done work with more traditional IOT stuff. So sensors on folks. And now they're working with us because the, our customers are seeing things like I mentioned Lithco with a 20% incident rate reduction. Another one of our customers last year, despite COVID, and we're actually seeing this quite a bit. I'm interested in uh, I know this isn't the construction podcast, so maybe I won't focus there, James, but in, in construction where some of our customers have had their best years ever last year, despite COVID, it's kind of crazy. And this, this is one of them. They had more work hours than ever, but they had 73% fewer lost time hours. So it's those kind of statistics, James, that I think are giving the carriers yeah. the the ammunition that they need the progressive ones the ones that are that are really trying to understand understand how they can help their customer and how they can start to rewrite the way insurance is is underwritten to put it a certain way yeah i mean that's that's really where the rubber hits the road and it, it is hard for many in insurance to get their hands around the actual data that you just talked about like like you you're talking about significantly less claims Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like a measurable material amount of less claim. Now, part of it's observation effect, right? If you have technology that you know is observing, and like you can call it Big Brother all you want, but if, if you have every single image and video being processed and people are actually analyzing what's going on, there is a bit of observation effect. Just by observing people, they tend to behave better, right? I would agree with you if it wasn't construction, like, you know, we're, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? But it's, you know, uh, our our customers are, they're using our stuff across 150 jobs, right? And it's one thing to observe whether you're a human or an AI. It's another thing to connect that observation to a process that actually helps reinforce and drive the right behaviors. And so just really, I I don't think it's just the observation effect. In other words, I think it's got to be tied to a good, to, to a good program that, not only looks at negatives, looks at positives and reinforces those opportunities for, for conversation. So we've heard what the most valuable feature set is out of SmartVid for the contractor. What is it for the carrier? What, 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 what do they really care about? The, the compliance rate for PPE, the, what, 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 you know, near misses. I mean, what are they looking at in the software? Yeah, they're, they've been very focused on the outcomes. Like you were saying, James, like they want to they want to see reduction in incidents, both recordables and non-recordables. They want to they want they want to see the outcomes, the more leading indicators, like the more behavioral type metrics or risk related metrics, are interesting in the context of predictive because you can we can share we can show how some of that data actually can be used to predict specific incident rates but right now the car- the carriers are are just starting to get there they're more interested in all right like what what can happen on these jobs and how can we impact you know the actual outcomes on these jobs as opposed to 
like to your question, James, like what are like what are the metrics they're interested in? Like that that's that's more of a longer term thing that has to do more with like the more dynamic type or more under messing with the underwriting model, which as I'm sure you and Rob and the listeners know is not an easy thing to do. No. That's the kind of the golden goose, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna go modify your underwriting model, you better have reams of data to support it or you're gonna you're gonna be upside down pretty fast on your on you know on your <laughs> on your on your margin. Uh, Rob? Yeah, Josh, maybe we can wrap up by talking. You know, I noticed you guys talk about some of the third-party integrations that you have with Autodesk and many other systems. And the sense I get is kind of like, you know, that that you can really kind of, construction firms can kind of, you know, incorporate this solution along with other solutions, right? And it integrates well, and you just kind of make, make it part of their standard process. Like there's not a lot of extra work. You know, do you point earlier about having to tag photos? I know like recording, you know, observations and things like that, but you know, you're trying to really streamline this as much as possible and make it part of their daily work, their daily processes, where it's not like a, a bunch of extra work that somebody has to do, right? But you're gleaning all these additional insights and then being able to kind of, you know, be part of a, you know, a, a major piece of a suite of solutions that they're using just to kind of go about their day to day. Maybe we can just talk a little bit about that. I, I think about, you know, embedded insurance or things where, you know, it's not like you have to do this special one-off thing, right? But yet it's, it's you know, you're getting that much more just from, you know, kind of going about your your daily routine. I think we, we that convenience is something that we underestimate when we're, we're evaluating intro tech propositions and you have that. Yeah, totally. I, th- I think the analogy again of back to the, the, like the progressive snapshot, which is something you plug into your cars, you know, system and it, it gets data and helps you with where we take the same approach. You can plug SmartVid into your existing construction management system like Autodesk or Procore. You can plug it in if your imagery is in box or if you're uh, using a site camera, um, which we have site camera companies we work with and recommend. You don't have to change, you don't have to change or shouldn't have to change the way you work. It's just, just like you don't, well, you may be more conscious of the way you drive, but you're just going to drive the car. You're just going to run your job the way you normally would. And now there's more data about it and data that you can use to help drive a better, safer outcome. Yeah. And the analogy I would use actually is, is kind of the telematics now that sync to your phone where you don't need that dongle, right? To capture it. Totally. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You've got your car. You've got your phone, right? You're going about your day, but now we've enabled or unlocked this capability where you don't actually have to take that interim step of having to get the special hardware device and find that OBD port on your car. That's true. Yeah, it's it's actually really there's actually some there's a company here in Boston actually that did that that was one of the first ones to do that to use all the stuff on your phone to help with driving data. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh, the carrier is trying to help you know trying to help the insured be safer and reduce reduce loss, you know, how do you bend the loss curve is the question that the carriers have been asking us. And that's what, that's what we're really eager to do. It helps everybody. They have a moral and financial incentive to do it, right? Like we have a moral obligation to help people just in general, like as human beings, decent Mm -hmm. human beings want to help others. And the really beautiful thing about being in insurance is you have an opportunity to directly impact life outcomes of people by making sure they go home as good as or better than they showed up in the morning. Hopefully with a good stretch and flex program, they actually go home better than they showed up. And then uh, you, you, know, you can prevent accidents and you can also help companies be more profitable, which is good for the economy, good for employment, 
not just good for the owners, but good for bonuses. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole lot of bonus pools that are based on profitability. So generally, everybody wins. A safer job site, everybody wins. And uh, the insurance carrier is one of those, but they're insured as another one. And it, and it forms, a, in my opinion, a new type of relationship between the carrier and the insured when you're buying tech. I know, for example, Josh, my, I just renewed my cyber policy, and they, they pay for a whole suite of software tools for me. Hmm. for for uh, penetration and testing and analysis. I mean, it's, it's completely provided by my carrier because they recognize that by providing those, they're helping me be a lot safer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is not abnormal, but what we're seeing is in this type of regard, this is abnormal. This is really, you know, you're one of the few that have been able to pull off something like this. So congratulations on this and also to the carrier partners that you're working with. I want to wrap up our conversation. We've only got a couple minutes left. You know, Rob, Rob's getting used to this question after 51 episodes. What do you see coming in the future, right? This is the now. Carrier partnerships and machine learning and video and photo and text and speech analysis. That's all stuff you've already done. What's the, what's the next mountain to tackle? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's starting to look at the underwriting models themselves because it's as we work with our more sophisticated customers James like they're trying in their own from their own risk management standpoint to have their it's an equivalent of an underwriting model they're trying to understand which jobs are riskiest and where should they focus their attention not just on the safety front but across other dimensions of project delivery risk so one way this goes is i i see those you know see those kind of coming together you know there's for insurers who carriers who are looking to offer new products are going to look to enable those with these new kinds of underwriting models to to deliver more value to customers and to and also to get to to to, to improve outcomes so i think that i think that's where it goes is you're going to see more products that are underwritten with these kinds of the as more data becomes available because it's what our customers are trying to do themselves and it's also i think it's the right business decision otherwise there's going to be other companies that come out there there's going to be other insurance firms that are going to disrupt them that do do those things that do come up with these new models based on based on the additional data that's available that's awesome rob any closing comments or questions I just one comment and, and I, I think I, I love that that's where you're going, Josh. And you know, for a long time now, probably a decade or more, companies have been, you know, collecting data. There's been this kind of, you know, discounts for data, right? Whether it be telematics, smart home devices, and, and many other things. And there's been all this data collection of unstructured data, but incorporating that into underwriting models into to pricing and loss models, right? That's the part that we haven't seen before. So just really excited that that's Know where you're headed, and I think that makes just a, a ton of sense that you're not just looking on the last three to five years of loss history data to price a given risk or to underwrite a given risk, but you're looking at what is the behavior today, right, on the job site, and yeah. and to the extent that they self-correct or course correct or, or make improvements, that that be reflected, you know, hopefully immediately in you know more positive either rate or you know getting getting to to be covered by more c- competitors. You know, competing for that piece of business where maybe it's something that in the past, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, call us three years from now and your loss right. ratio improves, your experience mod changes. Right. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. In the consumer world, think about how much data Google has about us now. Like if you have a, 
Nest device or if you've got Alexa, uh, I'm sorry, Google or Amazon, right? You've got a Nest device for Google. Uh, Amazon knows your buying history. You've got Alexa in your house. Maybe it hears your mood and your voice. What if those companies started offering consumer insurance, right? Like, holy cow, do they know a lot about people? So I think it's really going to be the this whole concept of how do you use more data to get a better understanding of risk is going to is really going to be core to insure, you know, insurance underwriting models for a long time. Yeah, uh, that I'm a tech futurist optimist, uh utopian future guy, not a dystopian future guy, but that one creeps me out a little bit. Yeah. And, doesn't it? And, yeah. And, you know, the the interesting thing is that, you know, Amazon tried the whole insurance thing and they just bailed they just bailed out, right? They tried to they tried to come in and disrupt health insurance and they're like, "Never mind." We're oh, out. that oh, are you talking about that health insurance thing they did yeah, with yeah. JP Morgan? Yeah, JP Morgan. That, yeah. Who else was in that? There was a third another one. Yeah, it was, was it Amazon. Hathaway and, or, yeah. yeah, I think. Oh yeah, Buffett. was it Buffett? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, they're out. They they closed it down. They're like, uh, never mind. It was Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway. They, yeah, that's health insurance this, though. They, it, they it, announced it, this November of 2019, February 2021. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, health. Oh man. Yeah, that could be health, a whole series of podcasts on health. How mess. screwed up all that is. <laughs> we switched to uh, Amazon Pharmacy for our pharmacy though. Mm-hmm. And they kick Walgreens and CVS in the pants. So I think that's just, a Boston company, man. I think that's PillPack underneath. It, well, PillPack and Pharmacy are different parts of Amazon. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So they're both operating. They both, you can sign up for both, but they are not connected or integrated in any way whatsoever. Wow. I didn't know that. So I use both. If you haven't, if you, if you haven't signed up for PillPack, I do it for all my vitamins. Yeah. Uh, you know, take my... Can you glucose all, all my old man vitamins? Like uh, yeah. joints from Creek. <laughs> is that the one? The, do you take the joint one? That's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. glucosamine chondroitin. Yeah. yeah, I do yeah. that one. Yeah, I do my vitamin D for my ligaments. And I do my men's multivitamin. Do my you know my allergy meds. Yep. So all you know, pill pack just mails you a box with a with a roll of stuff, and you just tear the package open every day. Yeah, it's yeah. Not phenomenal for traveling because you don't have to remember anything. You just tear off whatever days are going to be gone, and that's what you travel with. Uh, pill pack's amazing. Totally separate from Amazon Pharmacy, who will just literally. Ship you your bottles wherever you are, and I mean Amazon's really disrupting a whole bunch of things. They, I, I think they'll eventually crack insurance. They have to. It's too big of an industry for them not to be in. And so I think, I think eventually we'll be able to, uh, this push to dramatically streamline underwriting and binding and and quoting, is is going. Like I, 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 Rob, I feel like we're in the baby stages of it right now. Like just the baby, baby, baby stages. Of of quoting risk and getting bound, yeah, uh, totally agree. You know what I mean? Like big change over the next decade, yeah. Oh, uh, it's gonna be a sea change. It's gonna freak a lot of people out. I think it's a really interesting thing theme, guys, across the business world too. Of like, which where are the centers of gravity of data, right? If you think about enterprise systems, you know what what can they tell you about the risk of the companies that are using them and how can those enterprise systems like in construction i think well how much like how much does autodesk know about you know folks in their ecosystem how much does procore know and how do you how does that then tie into potential you know potential future revenue streams for those guys yeah it's huge huge deal 
Well, Josh, uh, it's been great having you on the InsureTech Geek. Appreciate it. I do want to give some time to Mr. Rob for a couple of news items that we have. Yeah, just real quick this week, James, I saw that a Canadian InsureTech called Farmer's Edge has raised $100 million IPO. That's $100 million US, by the way, $125 million Canadian. And this is a company that actually I had done some uh, presentations at a conference last year called Agricon. In fact, I was in Sacramento right before everything shut down in the pandemic. And so they were one of the companies I highlighted. They used technology and artificial intelligence, which we've been talking about today, to collect and analyze local weather, soil moisture, satellite imagery uh, to help growers boost crop yields and farm more efficiently. And they can also uh, integrate in with, you know, crop insurance solutions and things like that. So very similar to what we've been talking about with Josh today, but on the the agricultural side. So anyway, that was kind of an eye popping uh, amount and and not something that you might've guessed that there's an agriculture insure tech out there. And then the other thing I just, you know, kind of shameless plug, we've had Ron Glossman from Chisel AI on the podcast previously, and they've put together their under their second annual underwriting priorities for 2021 and beyond called the Digital Evolution of Commercial Insurance. And so I contributed uh, to this uh, ebook that's online, as well as many other folks. Uh, it's a free book. You just have to register with them to be able to download your copy. So uh, you can kind of get my thoughts as well as many other folks if you go to the site and uh, register and download the free ebook, which is AI. Outstanding. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it as always. And again, Josh, uh, good seeing you today. Great to see you guys. Appreciate the chance to come on here and talk about the new stuff we're doing in the insur- with insurance carriers. It's a, it's a pretty exciting time. It is awesome and super applicable outside the construction industry. I just want to point that out. There's Indeed. Uh, all kinds of applications for your technology and others uh, outside of that. But uh, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us today. It has been yet another episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge. That's jbknowledge.com. All about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, and Kara Daltonar, our creative producer. Thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.